thank you, Lord, for your presence and your spirit. Amen. I'm so glad for all of you that are uh, here today. I was blessed by watching these two girls worship the Lord over here from Moscow, Russia. They don't even speak English, and they're over here worshiping the Lord. You guys are special. I leaned over to Brother Richie. I said, that doesn't just happen. They've seen their parents worshiping God in their house, in their home. Oh, my. I don't know about you, but the Spirit of God is for everybody. It transcends nationalities, countries, oceans, barriers. There's nothing like the presence of God. There's nothing like the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Amen. I feel His presence here. We've already had people get the Holy Ghost in the first service. And I believe God's going to fill some people with the Holy Ghost in this service. Thank you for coming out and being with us. If you're joining us by internet, uh, thank you for tuning in. I turn your attention to John chapter 14 and verse 10. John chapter 14 and verse 10. This is a conversation that the Lord was having with his followers. If you have one of those red letter editions of your Bible, you'll see all this is in red, meaning the Lord was speaking these words and he was speaking to those that were very close to him that followed him and what we would maybe call the inner circle verse 10 says he spoke to them saying believest thou not that I am in the father and the father in me the words that I speak unto you I speak not of myself but the father that dwelleth in me he doeth the works before he even got into this he understood it was going to be difficult for them to understand so he wanted to sort of lay as a foundation that he was not speaking about another being per se. The Father is in me and I in the Father. But he said, the words I speak, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. In verse 11, he says, believe me that I am in the Father. He says this again now. He wants to reiterate this, that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. In other words, if you can't really believe that I'm speaking of the Father that dwelleth in me and I in him, then at least believe for the very works sake. In other words, all the miracles that you've seen, know that this is the Father working through me and in me, and I am in the Father. The Bible says in the epistles that the fullness of the Godhead, of all the elements, aspects, natures, pluralities, all of the different parts and offices and roles that God fills was all in Jesus bodily. All God and yet all man. And so he's expressing to them this foundational truth so that maybe they could understand what he was fixing to leave them with. He said, believe me. Or if you can't believe that, then believe for the very work's sake, for the fact that the miraculous is being done. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also and greater works than these shall he do because I go unto my father now he empowers them with this understanding that they're going to be doing great works too and of course all of this probably was just uh, more than they could fathom but he said it's because I go unto my father and, and whatsoever ye shall ask in my name now he gives them the triggering mechanism that will give them the power to do all of these greater works if you'll ask in my name that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So if you'll ask in the name of Jesus, that's why we baptize in the name of Jesus. That's why we pray for the sick in the name of Jesus. That's why we cast out devils in the name of Jesus. It is the power of God. If you shall ask anything, everybody say anything, in my name I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter another comforter that he may abide with you forever I'm going to send you another comforter that he may abide with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not neither knoweth him but ye know him for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. 
I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But ye see me, because I live. Ye shall live also. At that day ye shall know that I am in the Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Woo! Hallelujah. You get a revelation of what we want to talk about today, you'll never, ever be the same. I want to lift our text from verse 16 and just simply talk to you today about another comforter. Another comforter. Would you bow your heads and pray? Lord, we're thankful for your presence and your spirit. We feel it. We know that you're here to do a great work. You never just show up, Lord, to observe. You always come to do a work. And we feel your presence. We know you're here to do a work. Now I ask you, Lord, that you would anoint our hearts and minds to receive your word. Give us receptive spirits, Lord, and illuminate our minds to receive this great truth from your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. Another comforter. Jesus in his humanity or, or role of the Son, you got to understand, and this is not easy for us to understand in our humanity because we're body, soul, and spirit. But with Jesus, he was all God and all man. And when he referred to the fleshly part of his nature, he referred to it as the Son. And when he referred to the, the God-like aspect of his nature, he referred to it as the Father. And he was trying to tell the disciples about this transition that they were getting ready to go through. And he wanted to lay this as a foundational principle so that they would understand that they were not being left in a place of destitute, but actually they were graduating to a, a greater level and a higher level. And so he was trying to illustrate this by giving them references that they could understand. And he talks about how the Spirit of God would come to them and that he would pray of the Father that he would send the Spirit of truth or this other comforter. And in so doing, he talks about the flesh praying to the Spirit or the Son praying to the Father. And this, it, it, it gave an indication that there was coming a transition. Now, I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel like in the Spirit there is all kinds of indicators that Jesus is getting ready to come soon. I don't believe it's going to be years and decades down the road. I believe the Lord's getting ready to come back for his church. I don't know if you've seen in the news, but they've got all these locusts and, and, and all these plagues that are over uh, eastern Africa, and the world and the earth is all sordidly, sort of groaning and moaning, and, and you can tell that there's all of this happening in the spirit realm, and God's, hallelujah, trying to get us ready for that great day. Oh, my friend, he could come today, he could come tonight, he could come tomorrow. I wouldn't wait not one more moment. I'd say, Lord, uh, I want to be ready, hallelujah. I want your spirit to abide in me, hallelujah. And I want to know that I'm ready for your coming. Jesus was very interested in laying this foundation, and I, I believe this is very true. I believe that we're, we're living in interesting times right here at the end of June in 2020, 21st century, but there's been a lot of interesting times in the past. There'll be more interesting times in the future. And there was a very interesting time in the text that I read to you. The disciples had walked with Jesus. They had seen the great miracles. And now Jesus was trying to prepare them. He said, we're going to make requests. I, the Son, is going to make a request of the Father. The humanity is going to make a request of the eternal essence of the Spirit. And the, the request is going to be that another comforter would come. Now, it's interesting that only John uses the term comforter. And he uses it often. It's not found in Matthew or Mark or Luke. It's only found in John. And John uses it uh, in chapter 14 and chapter 15. In chapter 16, in 1 John chapter 2, he uses this word comforter. And comforter signifies or is explained in this context as helper, an advocate, one who stands alongside, an intercessor, 
your defense attorney. I like that definition. A defense attorney. The King James Version uses the term comforter. The New International Version uses the term counselor. But all of the translations give perfect symmetry to the fact that the Holy Spirit is sent to help, to comfort, and to counsel. I just take a moment and say, I'm so thankful that the Lord is a God, hallelujah, that gives us comfort. As we were just singing about, he's not a God that's way out there beyond the Milky Way somewhere that's out of reach or out of touch. He is close. He is right by your side. He's as close as the mention of his name. So while Jesus would soon leave his disciples physically, the spirit of truth, which was now with them and was invisible in the world, verse 19 says, would dwell within them. Verse 17, the spirit that indwelled Jesus was the comforter, and he would not forsake them, leaving them comfortless, the Bible says, or as orphans, but would come to them. Now, this is interesting because there's no doubt that the ministry of Jesus was a ministry of comfort. And he could come into a scene and didn't matter if it was a funeral or didn't matter if it was a, a, a leper colony, didn't matter if it was blind Bartimaeus on the wayside begging. But Jesus would bring comfort. In the funeral that was going on in the city of Nain, this widow lady with her only son in a box, and they're having the funeral procession and people mourning and all. And Jesus and his disciples come in there, and he stops the whole funeral procession, reaches down the box, and, 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 and raises the child or the young man to life. That, that whole scene changed. And the lady that was mourning is now rejoicing. Blind Bartimaeus, who's crying out of the wayside, is now rejoicing. The lepers, uh, at least the one, returns to say, thank you, Lord. All throughout his ministry, there is this, this comfort element. But now he's telling his followers, I'm praying for another comfort. Jesus was indeed a manifestation of this comforter, but he prayed that another comforter would come. Not another being but another office or role of the same God, a helper, an advocate, an intercessor, a defense attorney. Jesus is telling them, I'm going to pray to the Father for your defense attorney to come. You say, well, preacher, why do we need a defense attorney. That's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. The famous defense attorney, Robert Shapiro, in his book, The Search for Justice, he explains the role of a defense attorney. He says, and I quote, These days, an accusation is enough to destroy a life. An indictment and trial holds that life up to the examination and judgment of a society. A defense attorney's job is to see that the man or woman who stands under the scrutiny doesn't stand there alone. Well, I don't know if Robert Shapiro's got the Holy Ghost but I'm really glad he come up with that definition of a defense attorney. He is there to make sure you're not by yourself. Your life is going to be scrutinized, but you're not going to be alone. You're going to have somebody, if you can't afford one, want to be appointed to you. But we're not going to make you go through it by yourself. I'm so glad that the Lord said, I know you're going to have trials in this life. I know you're going to get sick and discouraged and despondent. But I'm going to pray that you don't go through it by yourself. 
I want to preach to somebody this morning. You're not alone. I don't care how much the enemy tries to defeat you by making you feel like you're in spiritual solitary confinement, but the devil is a liar and the father of all liars. We have a comfort. We have an advocate. We've got a defense attorney. The Lord prayed it and it was sent. And you and I, 2,000 years later, have got the benefit of history to recognize that God is not a God that's far off. He's a God that is within you. Now you may ask this question as well. Why do we need a defense attorney? Well, the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that we're born in sin. So we need this assistance from day one. We need an advocate from the very beginning of our life. Sometimes in our humanity, we like to think that we do not need the Spirit of God. We don't think that we need God. Or people will say, I don't think I need religion. But saying that you don't need God in this life is the equivalent of trying to defend yourself in a criminal trial. And I've never seen one of them situations go well. Now you may think you're F. Lee Bailey or Perry Mason, but i got news for you. If you get in trouble, even if you're innocent, get representation get somebody that'll be with you because you may think you're smart and I'm sure you are and you're probably smarter than your attorney but you're too emotionally involved with the facts of the case to be able to represent yourself that's why doctors don't operate on their own kids don't do that they find somebody else to do it because it's hard when you're emotionally involved and you're connected that way so in the natural the natural illustrates the spiritual in the natural you need a defense attorney if you've got an accuser well ladies and gentlemen you need a defense attorney in the spirit realm if you've got an accuser, thank you. I got one with me. Now, how do we know that we've got an accuser? And I want to say this so you understand. Each of us, everybody in this place, I don't care if you came from seven, twelve generations of apostolic preachers. Everybody in this building and listening to me by internet are facing the unrelenting prosecution of hell. Hell's trying to mess you up. Satan wants to destroy you. He got kicked out of heaven. He doesn't want you going to heaven. And he's doing everything he can to build a case against you. And he builds a case up against you. And say, that person don't deserve it. They can't have it. Look at all their mistakes. And the Lord looks at it. And the epistles describe it. I love it. I can't see. It's all been covered up and smudged with the blood of the Lamb. <laughs> the evidence has been contaminated. And he's got to go back to the drawing board and he comes up with something else. And he tries to trip you up when you're a teenager, tries to trip you up when you went through a failed relationship, tried to trip you up when you got that health report from your doctor, tried to trip you up when you lost your job, tried to trip you up. Everything is about trying to mess you up. But you've got a defense attorney that keeps coming alongside of you saying, yeah, but by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, they're going to overcome because they've got an advocate with the Father. Revelation chapter 12, verse 10 says this. The accuser of our brethren is cast down. <laughs> Sometimes you got to read the back of the book to see whether or not you win. <laughs> the accuser of our brethren is cast down, 
which accused them. Who's them? You and me. Accused them before our God day and night. I mean, the enemy is relentless. Bringing accusations against you before the judge. The back of the book says Satan loses the case when we sign on with our defender, Jesus Christ. Now here's something you need to you need to understand this. You got a defense attorney, but you got to sign on to him. It's still you that has the choice to decide whether or not you want the help. You don't want the defense attorney, you don't want the advocate, you don't want the Holy Ghost. God's a gentleman, he's not going to force himself on you. He's not going to cram it down your mouth. He's a God, hallelujah, that is a gentleman. But if you say, Lord, I need your help, I've tried to do it on my own. I've made a mess of things. But God, I'm saying, Lord, I need you to help me. I need the Lord to step in to be my advocate. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not able to do it on my own. But I believe the word of God that I have an advocate with the Father. I believe the word of God that there is another comforter that has come. And this comforter is not just one that's with us. This comforter is one that is in us. Bible said they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Here's what I like about that. You do all you can do and God does what only he can do. The blood of the Lamb. That's just God's goodness. That's God just giving us the power and the authority. But then the word of the testimony, that's you using your mouth and saying, I'm going to spend every day saying, Lord, I'm going to testify to your goodness and your glory. I'm going to say I couldn't do it on my own, but Jesus came my way. Come on, the word of your testimony. You've been through a test, but God gave you a testimony. You've been through a trial, but God gave you the victory. Hallelujah. Don't lose sight of that. Don't lose sight of that. This comforter, this defense attorney that would come would advocate for you, the believer, and win. Would win. What you couldn't do for yourself. God said, I'll do it for you. And when you get this place, you need a higher power and yet a personal representative. Again, let me use the natural to illustrate the spiritual. If you hire an attorney, the attorney is an officer of the court. So you can make a case that they're a higher power in terms of the judicial process. But it's not, it's not enough to just have somebody that's an attorney. You need somebody who is going to advocate for you. They all they're great attorney, they're great attorney, they're great attorney. Yeah, but I need somebody that will represent me. Here's what's so good about God. He's the great God. We know that. He's got all power. He's got all authority. He's the mighty God. Heaven is his throne. Earth is his footstool. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue will confess. He, we know he's a great God, but he's more than just a great God. He's a good God. He is touched by the feelings of our infirmities. That means he's going to be our personal representative. He's not off somewhere just being God and just sitting on his throne. He's close. I think some people have an opinion of God. Have you ever seen one of those bug zappers? And they're a light and the, and the, and the mosquitoes or whatever the flies get drawn to the light. And you can sit down on your back porch and you can hear them get electrocuted. <laughs> Got another one. Got another one. You can just sit out there and just hear them all get zapped. I think some people think of God like that, that he's a God that's up there like some big ogre and he's got a zap stick. Got another one. That's not the God that I serve. I got a God, hallelujah, that's standing right next to me saying, I know you had a bad week, son, but you better remember one thing. We're going to get through this together. If God be for me, who can be a... God, I pray you get a revelation of what I'm preaching, that there's a God that is your advocate. And I'm praying another comforter. Now, his ministry was one of comfort, but there was another comforter. This this comforter was coming as a as an advocate, as a 
as a helper, as a defense attorney that was going to plead your case. Paul said in Romans chapter 8 and verse 26, likewise the Spirit, capital S, now that's the comforter, the counselor that we're talking about. He said it also helpeth our infirmities. For we know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself, listen to this now, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Spirit is making intercession. The Spirit is making our case. And even when you're too sick to pray for yourself, the Spirit of God, hallelujah, maketh intercession. When you're so blinded by the world, you don't even realize you're in darkness. The Spirit maketh intercession with groanings which cannot be uttered. You're not even sure what all it's saying. All you know is uh, there's help. I feel strength. I feel help. I know God is on my side. This comforter will fight for you when you can't fight for yourself. Woo, my. This, this coronavirus. Can I just talk about it for a moment? I gotta try to use something everybody can relate to, and everybody's thinking about this thing. So let's let's talk about the coronavirus. It attacks the body. Everybody agree with that? It's on a mission to destroy. I don't know how it does all that it does gets in there in the invisible world of molecular proteins. They said this thing's different than a virus. It's got a molecular protein a nucleus. It makes it more durable. I don't know how it all works. I just know that it likes to get up inside of us and cause havoc. And some people, everybody reacts to it a little bit differently, but some people get too weak to fight it. Tax this or that or the lungs or the heart or whatever. But they got to have some help. Because they get to the place where they can't fight it on their own. So they've started doing these things called plasma treatments. That is an infusion of blood from someone who has defeated it and has the antibodies in their blood. And when it comes up inside of you, all them little soldiers, they all reporting for duty. We know this guy. We beat him in Joe. We beat him in Sally. We're going to take care of him in Fred. Works, but I've had two friends that were in the ICU and getting ready to put them on ventilators, and they gave them plasma treatment. And one of them, my good pastor Tom Foster in Dallas, before the day was over, he was sitting up in his bed, putting on his shoes, wanting to know when he could go home. Because he got an infusion. From one that had defeated it. So when the Lord said, I'm praying that another comforter come and the Spirit is going to be in you. It's not going to just be with you, but it's going to be in you. That's why we can overcome sin because we've been infused with the Spirit of God. And Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave. So I say today, it's time for everybody to get an infusion. We need an infusion of the Spirit of God. We need an infusion of the power of God. Another advocate. Another comforter. Another spirit. But what you can't do for yourself, God can do for you. Man doesn't know how to defeat this coronavirus. We've done everything we know to do. We've done social distancing. 
We've stayed at home until we about drove each other crazy. We've watched so much online stuff, our eyeballs have turned into little squares. Which is what they used to tell us as a kid what happened if we watched too much TV. We have scrubbed our hands with soap and alcohol until the skin is cracking. We have wear face masks and we're trying to wear them and we've worn, now even our iPhones don't recognize us. trying not to shake hands laboratories all over the world are working day and night trying to find a cure nothing works but the best success they're having against it. plasma infusion treatments of antibodies from people that had the virus and recovered you know what that means that means that the only thing that's found a cure to this is the human body that is the creation of God. The body said, I got this, I got this, I got this. They said the people doing the best are children, seven, eight-year-olds. But they got something on the inside that says, Y'all aren't sitting down here because I just slung some up here. They don't know all of the brain power in this world. Eight billion people in the world. Everybody working in laboratories. Testing vials 24-7. And the whole time, these bodies created in the image of God. And then I had I had my annual checkup this week with my doctor. And my doctor told me, he said, here's something you need to understand about this virus. I said, what's that? We were talking about these plasma treatments. He said, ooh, he told me this. I said, I'm going to use that on Sunday morning. He said, the plasma is the strongest from people that have had the most severe cases of COVID-19. The plasma is the strongest with the most potent antibodies from where it had the greatest battle. No wonder the Bible said, by his stripes, we are healed. He didn't die a painless death. He didn't just go to sleep and die. He was crucified. But the blood, the blood was tested. The blood was tried. And it created antibodies so that any man, woman, boy, and girl, I don't care if you got a drug addiction or an alcohol addiction, I don't care what your past is, there is a God that has given us an infusion that makes anything possible. <laughs> Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Uh, so when we're too weak and we say, Lord, I just need your help, the Spirit maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Greater the sin. The Bible said where sin doth abound, grace does much more abound. We're infused with this Holy Spirit. We're given the power, the antibodies to live an overcoming life. They say, how can you Christians believe one day you're going to live forever? Because we got an infusion of a spirit that resurrected Jesus. It's already defeated death. So death is not my final chapter, and death is not your final chapter. Oh, hallelujah. One day, the Bible said, the dead in Christ shall rise first. 
How come they get to rise first? Because those antibodies have been waiting a long time. There's something greater. There's something bigger. There's something better. And it's going to rise up to meet them in the air. And we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet them in the air. Why? Because the Bible said if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. So not only do we get better, not only do we start to heal spiritually, we have an infusion of power to live a life of joy in the midst of heartache, a life of peace in the midst of crisis. We have another comforter, another level of love. We have life more abundantly. Watch this now. So that not only are we helped, but now we can help somebody else. I say we can help somebody else. How come you Christians always wanting to share your faith? Because we got the plasma. Some of you musicians, singers, somebody needs to write a song. We got the plasma. some ideas we got the power it goes power we got the plasma God didn't save us for us to just sit and fat and get all sassy sitting on a Pentecostal pew somewhere you want to get joy unspeakable joy you got to share the gospel with somebody He's been so good to me. I got to tell somebody. I got to share it. He's given me the antibodies. He's given me the spirit. He's given me another comforter. Let me tell you something. You don't get that from a secular source. You get that from a spiritual well of living water. Springing up. So that when this small group of followers gathered with Jesus on the mount called Olivet, just on the outskirts of Jerusalem, Jesus could see the disappointment on their faces and the heaviness in their expressions. The followers could tell Jesus was getting ready to leave, and they were troubled. They asked if this is when he was going to finally establish the kingdom of Israel. Is this when you kicked the Romans out of Palestine? They were looking for a, a political solution from a spiritual source. Can I tell you today that the cure for our culture is not political, it is spiritual. Jesus speaks to them with an authority that jumps off the page. First of all, he rebukes them. He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which a father has put in his own power. Don't be looking to a secular source for a spiritual solution. hear the authority in his words when he proclaims in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 but ye shall receive power wonder working power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon remember I told you about the other comforter you remember I told you about the spirit of truth you remember I told you about the promise of the father he's going to give you power as he speaks these words he ascends up into heaven Acts chapter 1 tells us, and they all stand there watching and looking like we all stand over here watching a trail of smoke from a rocket launch. There they go. After a while, you can't see smoke no more. They just, they just up there. All these guys are just standing around there looking. Two angels got to appear to them and say, hey, go to Jerusalem. Terry, until you're being due with power from on high. They thought their hope was gone. Their hope was just transforming. He was changing roles and changing locations. He was getting ready to come as a comforter and would abide in them. So they go to Jerusalem, and as the writer of Acts, Luke, as he describes they begin to pray for the promise and suddenly Acts 2 begins that there came a sound. Everybody say a sound. A sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. Everybody say a wind. 
and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire. Fire, I say, fire, sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. They begin to speak, or I say, speech. In other tongues, as the Spirit gives the other, wind, fire, and speech, all of them are transformative in nature. You're not serving some puny God that you can't tell when you got God and when God left. You got a God that's going to transform you. You're going to know it was God. Wind blows and it refreshes, brings relief. Don't you know that? A hot day in Palm Bay in June and July. You're out there working in the heat, baking like a loaf of bread. And all of a sudden you feel a breeze coming off the Atlantic Ocean. Because the wind refreshes. It brings relief. The fire purges. It changes the atmosphere. It renews. You can burn up a whole bunch of underbrush and then all the green stuff starts to grow right away. Because it purges. It renews. And then the speech is the transformation of the human mind. It's the response of humanity. Whew. So in one experience, when this other comforter came upon them, there was a relief, a renewal, and a response. All of it transformed by the comforter, rearranging the insides as evidenced by their speech. And you can see it didn't affect anybody anymore than Peter Paul. Peter denied the Lord before this experience just a few weeks before. But now, remember the Lord told him, you shall receive power after. Holy Ghost has come upon you. After. He's got so much boldness and power now, he stands up and preaches a message of conviction on the little porch there at the upper room for all of Jerusalem to hear. This is that that was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, saith God, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He preaches without fear, message of conviction. Paul's the same way. Before Paul gets the Holy Ghost, he's using his voice to bring Christians to prison and some to a point of execution. But after he's filled with the Spirit, after he's infused with power from on high, he proclaims without equivocation for everybody to hear, even so do I speak, not as pleasing man, but pleasing God which trieth my heart. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. These men were saying we've been transformed because we've got an infusion of the Spirit of God. Would you stand to your feet? Whoo! I feel in the Holy Ghost right now. There's a cloud of God's glory that's hovering over this place. If you have been infused with that power, I wonder if you just lift your hands and begin to pray in the Holy Ghost right where you're standing. Would you lift your hands and would you lift your voice like a trumpet? And would you begin to pray in the Spirit right now all over this building? Come on now, pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Don't be afraid. Come on, God's giving you boldness and courage. I pray right now in the Holy Ghost by the power and the presence of God. You are the great and the mighty Savior. You have given me strength. You've given me hope. You've given me help. There is none that is like unto you. I will bless the Lord at all times. Come on. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Jesus. 
Jesus said, the spirit I'm going to give you is a forever spirit. Yes, in times of crisis, it steps up to the plate. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to tell you 24-7, in your car, in your home, you can lift up your hands wherever you're at. And you can begin to love the Lord. And His Spirit, come on, will fill that place. It may be your cubicle at work. Comforter has come. Millions of people all over this globe being filled with the Spirit of God. Thousands in Madagascar, Bangladesh, the Amazon, Africa. I've seen it in over a hundred countries. Doesn't matter what language. Doesn't matter the color of your skin. Doesn't matter your socioeconomic background. Doesn't matter who your parents were or weren't. It's for whosoever will. It's for whosoever will. I feel that spirit moving right now. God wants to fill some people with the Holy Ghost. If you've never received that spirit, I want to invite you to come forward. Our ministry team, we're going to put on masks so everybody's comfortable. We're going to pray with you. And I believe God will fill you with the spirit that we're talking about this morning. As you make your way down here. If you've never received the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in tongues, which is that transformation of your speech because... The way I explained it to a young girl from from Iran that was here in our first service is that when the Holy Ghost comes up, fills you up, and the overflow is when you begin to speak in tongues. It's kind of like when you fill a cup, it just kind of comes up to the rim, and then it just keeps filling, and it splashes over on the on the plant. Holy Ghost overflows, gives you more than what you need gives you double for your trouble. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And you just start to speak words you don't understand. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry. It it may sound like baby talk. You can't say the wrong thing. You just say, I'm going to just let it flow. If you've never received that experience, or maybe it's been a long time since you've spoken tongues, I want to invite you right now. Would you step out from where you're standing? Would you come down here? We're going to be saved, but we're going to pray with you. And the Holy Ghost is going to come on you. If you've received that spirit, I wonder, would you lift your hands right where you're standing right now in the pew? Would you do that and just begin to pray right now by the power of the Holy Ghost? Come on, I believe God would have his way right now in the name of Jesus.
Him. The Lord is my strength. I have dominion. I walk in authority. I've been washed in His blood. Where's my love? Filled with the Spirit. By His stripes I'm healed. I'm free. Yes, Jesus gave me the victory. Overcome. More than a conqueror, I will win. The joy of the Lord is my strength. I have dominion. Woo! I walk in authority. And I've been washed in His blood. Cleansed by His love. Filled with His Spirit. And by His stripes I'm healed. I'm free. I'm free. Yes, Jesus gave me the victory. Father. 